Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Nick Stone. It's wonderful to meet with you this morning and to be able to wish you a very happy Christmas. Uh, I'm wondering uh, whether you'd be able to open in your Bibles that passage from Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. It would be enormously helpful for you to have that there in front of you. I'm a pretty keen newspaper reader, and yet I often wonder, when will there be good news? Bike path, bloodbath, North Korea missile launches, when will there be good news? Grenfell Tower fire, 23 pedestrians mowed down. When will there be good news? As we gather this Christmas, amid a world full of bad news, with much bad news, is there any good news to be found? I mean good news that changes things. That gives us hope that things could be better. I'm not talking about wishful thinking. Not a denial of reality. Not a stiff upper lip, positive thinking type of good news, but good news that breaks into our bad news and changes things. Matthew, the writer of one of the biographies of Jesus, believes that he has that kind of good news. Matthew shows us how the unexpected events of that first Christmas shout Good news. And the first bit of good news is found in our passage in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. The angel says to Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is why Christmas shouts good news. Because here in the baby is the one who has come to save us from our sins. Now you might hear the word sin and get your shackles up. A talk of sin may suggest to some a guilt-ridden Christmas or to others a finger-wagging Christmas. And we may be tempted to think, no, no, just leave me with my tinsel and turkey. But that would be sticking our heads in the sand. The thing about the Bible, the thing about Matthew's account of the life and teachings of Jesus is that we come face to face with the reality of things. That list of headlines I read at the beginning reminds us that the world is not in a good way. As I watch the news each night, I despair, I get angry, I cry. I'd imagine these aren't abnormal reactions to such news stories. But we don't need to turn on the TV or read the newspaper to learn that our world is in a bad way. My 2017 has brought much joy to my family with the birth of a daughter, yet it's also seen marriage breakdowns in my wider family, 
my mother battling cancer and the death of my wife's grandfather. But I'm sure these aren't particular to me. How's your 2017 been? There may have been much to bring you joy and happiness this year, but perhaps there would have been pain and grief and disappointment too. There's much in our world that causes me to cry out, what's the point of it all? What's the point of all? We naturally look for hope, don't we? We might hope our numbers match up on the lotto or Powerball. We might hope our raffle ticket is called for the meat tray. We might hope for a bit of good luck. We might hope to financially get ahead, finally. Or we'd meet the right one to settle down with. Or we might put our hope in our children's achievements. The events of that first Christmas brings a hope that transcends any other kind of hope. It's a hope that brings us beyond our griefs and disappointments. Why? Matthew 1.21 You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I don't know what you put the problem down to. I think we can all agree that there's a problem in our world. And I find it interesting that it's a problem that prevails despite our best efforts to isolate all the bad people and get rid of them. So the Bible tells us that the problem is far closer to home than we'd often like to admit. None of us have given God the honour and due that is rightfully his. We all do as we please. We either actively reject God as boss or apathetically live as if he doesn't exist. God must deal with this and set things right. And the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. Our culture often likes to hide death or dress it up with all sorts of pleasantries. Yet none of us can escape its awful reality. No matter who you are, no matter what you've made of your life, we will all die. And talk of death at Christmas time, well, that's hardly polite. Nothing like a conversation killer or a party stopper. Yet this is why the baby came. He came to deal with sin and death and judgment. Here in the baby in the cattle trough is the one to usher in a new world. A world where peace truly reigns, where fear and tragedy are gone. He came to give us hope beyond death, to purchase for us eternal life, to save his people from their sins. That's the first bit of good news that Christmas brings. 
Here's the second. Look with me at Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. We're told all this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now I don't know whether you're someone here today who thinks that the existence of God is wishful thinking. If God doesn't exist, then any talk of sin and death and judgment is laughable at best, cruel at worst. But if he does exist, then that changes everything. Matthew tells us something a man called Isaiah had written 800 years before the birth of Jesus. That a virgin, a young woman, would give birth to a child called Emmanuel, God with us. And Matthew makes the staggering claim that here in this child called Jesus, these words have come true. Matthew tells us that Jesus is God. Here is God, come as a human being, born just like you and I are, though with quite a significant twist. You see, I'm sure Joseph would have been the first to put his hand up and say, this ain't my doing. You see, there's much in our passage to indicate that this is no ordinary birth. I wonder whether you look quickly with me, verse 18 of of chapter 1, we're told Mary is found to be with child. How? Through the Holy Spirit. The angel assures Joseph in verse 20 that Mary's child is from the Holy Spirit. And verse 23 tells us the couple have no union until after the birth of the child. This is no ordinary birth because here, born in the shed is God come as a man. This is a massive claim, and I don't want us to lose the magnitude of it. It may be something that you've heard time and again as you come to Christmas each year. Maybe it's something you believe quite strongly. Or maybe it's something you hear and think, surely that can't be true. Maybe it's something you hear and think, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. That here is God as a helpless kid? Well, can I urge you, read the accounts of the life and teachings of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they are biographies of Jesus. Read what's recorded about what Jesus said and what he did, his miracles his death, his coming back to life and his appearing not just to his closest followers but we're told to 500 people at one time. You see, if you meet Jesus in the pages of his biographies he cannot just be a good teacher. You can cast him off as the devil. You can disregard him as a lunatic If it's all a lie, if it's all a lie, 
But if it's true, then that changes everything. If God became a man, then it means he entered into the mess of our world. He entered into the mess of your life and my life. If God became a man, then that means God knows what the muck and mess of life is like. If God became a man, if God became a man and his name is Jesus, then that affects your life and that affects my life. If it's true, then Jesus really is God and he really did come in love to save us from our sins and we must respond. How? Well, there's some visitors come to visit Jesus recorded in Matthew's account and their response ought to be our response. They're called magi or kings or wise men from the east. And I'm wondering whether you'll look with me at where the story picks up from verse 10 of Matthew chapter 2. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. These men, these wise men, they travel no small distance and when they see the child, the kid in the manger, they worship him. And that is exactly what this child deserves. He's no ordinary baby. He's no longer in the manger, but he's seated in heaven as king of this world. And so he deserves all of your praise and my praise as well. This Christmas, don't leave Jesus at arm's length in the manger. See him for who he truly is. The one who came to give his life as a payment, a ransom for many. The one who is now risen and who reigns as king of this world. Jesus is the one who alone brings hope beyond this world. The one from whom we may truly sing joy to the world. And I pray that you know that joy this Christmas. Amen.